Derek Cook is best known as indie artist Bad Naps, and he's willing to waste his evening with the antidote. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Derek. Or maybe I should be calling you bad instead. <laughs> Please don't call me bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I understand that you were doing music prior to Bad Naps. So yes. how different was it being in a band compared to going this solo route? Oh, man. Like, amazing, but it's interesting as you get older, thinking about, like, what's the most efficient, you know, option for doing things. So, yeah, I mean, I played in a band in high school for about four years. Then I was in a metal band in college for a couple years. Then I was in this cool, like, post-hardcore band for a couple years. Then I was in this indie pop band. Oh, man, you've done everything. Yeah, I've done a, a decent amount. Um, I mean, none of it really really amounted to anything, but they were great experiences and a lot of fun. Um, it was one of those things where once I got married and we moved to where we currently live in Williamsburg, Virginia, it was one of those things where it was like, I don't want to go away from my wife you know, like, I don't I don't want to spend all this time driving to band practice or like, I don't know, things like that. Or like I had the last band I was in, I was like an auxiliary kind of for hire guitar player. And mm -hmm. I was also a teacher for six years. And so that was another big reason why I stopped playing. Because, you know, these guys were like, hey, do you want to take off like the next couple days, which would be like a Wednesday and a Thursday to drive up to actually ironically Canada uh, to like play for some live showcase or something on TV. And I was like, no, I have a full-time job. That sounds awesome. But like, I just can't do that. It was one of those things where it's just like after working all week, both my wife and I just want to like stay home and not do anything else. That's a big part of it. And then also like writing music. Cause again, with efficiency, if you show up to practice and it's like, oh, we're just going to like jam for a couple hours but not like write songs or mm -hmm. figure anything out. It's it's not a waste. It's awesome. But it's like, if I just have things that are going on in my brain all the time and I just want to write stuff, it just is like so much easier to sit down at my computer and like fully flesh out a song by myself. Let me take you back a couple of years. In 2020, Bad Naps released the, the Sheepish EP. Yeah. It includes the song Imaginary Interviews, take my thoughts away and some of the lyrics say what will it take to finally get to me i'm tired of talking to imaginary company if i give this up if i let this go would you believe me then would you believe me now i'm one of those really rotten people who likes to take <laughs> lyrics out of context when the song speaks about talking to imaginary company isn't that exactly what a song does I mean, you don't know the person it's reaching. That's true, yeah. So what's actually hilarious, like in a very ironic way, is uh, so when I was a teacher, I had my summers off and my wife would go to work and I was just like basically like putzing around the house, you know, like, okay, what can I do? And like I was listening to a lot of podcasts where they were interviewing people. And so it was me having imaginary interviews with people about how great I was as a musician. Like it filtered into my brain somehow. Cause I hear all these other artists talking about their process or talking about their songs. And, you know, me like with this kind of self aggrandizing, like, Oh, I have important things to say too. Um, so it's funny that you pick that song. Cause like we're having an actual interview right now. And it's my <laughs> first one ever. And 
um, what that song is about is like, yeah, so it was, it was about me having like talking to imaginary people, you know, it's, it's all in my brain. And I feel like super prideful thinking like, oh, people want to talk to me about what I do or my artwork. It's asking God, like, if I give this up, if I let this go, if I give up, like, the goal of doing something important with music in the name of, like, fame or even in the name of, like, oh, I just want to, like, bring glory to God. But it's like, no, I I don't. I just want people to, like, know my songs. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's what I'm asking. You know, if I give this up, if I let it go, would you believe me? Like, would then, I don't know, would I be taken seriously or... And and this is me talking to God, speaking to Him, yeah. But it, but it is interesting to think like that is what a song is 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 playing to people that I don't know. Like because that was like one of the first projects that I did just all by myself in my spare room. <laughs> so it was just me singing to a wall essentially. You seem to have some fun with sheepish. I mean, quite a few of the song titles are actually a play on words, like prophet, prophet. Yeah. Maybe you should explain that. Yeah, I love plays on words or like witty things. Like one of my favorite bands is Reliant K and Matt is like this super clever lyricist, kind of like sarcastic tongue in cheek kind of things. And uh, two meanings are like hip hop does a really good, you know, like word plays. So when I think about words or when I think about subject matter, I just think that the like juxtaposition yeah, like pray and pray or profit, profit. Because the subject matter is very specific, I guess, for those songs. I'm trying to think of how to explain it. So like for profit, profit, that's about the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. The idea that, you know, we're supposed to be spreading the good news or we're supposed to be, you know, like not necessarily prophesying, but being being people, especially if you're going to be a pastor of a mega church, uh, you know, like you should be setting an example in a certain way. But instead of being a, that sort of prophet, I'm not going to say you're in it exclusively for the prophet, but it seems like it. I don't blame a lot of people that cast judgment on Christians if, if they only know the prosperity gospel, because I think that that's wrong. And that's kind of what I was uh calling out and then like pray pray was the same that's obviously a very different song but the idea of like do i have the right mindset when i'm praying for someone or Mm -hmm. am i seeking retribution or am i seeking like justice or punishment instead of forgiveness and grace but then you say fun like even the sheepish ep is like the whole point is like saying sheepish sheepy uh, was kind of the whole point behind just being silly with it. This was like when I was trying to be like a fun, Reliant K style band. And then little did I know how like more aggressive and dark <laughs> bad naps would become. And deadly serious. Yeah, very serious. Yeah. Something I haven't been able to sort out is your band name. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but personally, I don't think I've ever had a bad nap. Yeah. So the band that I played with, the last band I played with prior to starting Bad Naps had an ironic name. And so we would be joking because we went on like a four day tour. And it was like the first and only tour I've ever been on. And it was like up and down the East Coast. And we had a great time. It was a ton of fun. So it was me and my best friend were like their auxiliary musicians for this tour. And mm. 
uh, we were coming up with just fake pop punk band names the whole time. And then somehow bad naps got brought up and the irony of it, like that no one's had a bad nap would be funny. And like, I just took it and was like, yeah, let's put it to that. Cause I was writing like, like kind of happy, more upbeat, wanted to write like silly songs. I just, <laughs> I guess I just can't do it. But that was the whole point was like bad naps is just like a funny name and just came, we just came up with like a whole list of like funny, ironic band names, uh, on that tour and I just took that one was like let's just make it my like <laughs> pop punk band and I actually hate taking naps because it makes me groggy and like forget where I am when I wake up and stuff so I like don't take naps even like when we had our newborn not this when my son was newly born people are like sleep when the baby sleeps or whatever and like a he never slept but when he did I was just like I can't like I just feel like I have too much going on like in my brain like I can't just like relax even though i'm exhausted like so yeah well but, obviously naps have to be important at your place because you do have those little ones yes. going down for a nap yes yes our daughter our newborn she uh she is sleeping as she should it's awesome like i get to like do things while i'm holding her and she's still sleeping so it's like oh this is great i don't have to just like focus on rocking her all the time yeah naps are important <laughs> Well, I have to admit, that was sort of a cheesy segue into something you released earlier this year, Good Sleeps 2, another album of lullabies. Yeah. So, so what is it? Like you're using kids to increase your fan base? That's right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> That's yeah. what it's all about. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 so, um, so, yeah, so the first one I did for my son Sawyer, I mean, I was playing music and writing music, and he was like jumping around in my wife's belly while we were like rocking out to some of my songs. Like you can play music for them while they're still in the womb. They'll recognize it when they're born and it can be a way to like soothe them and calm them down. It was kind of like an interesting creative project for me where it was like, Oh, I've never written like ambient lullabies, like solely based on like a simple melody. It was more of like a, a project to experiment with, I suppose. And then I was able to delve into like keyboards and, but it was just a fun process. I'm a fan of like post rock or like ambient music. Um, and I thought it would be fun to, to give it a shot. Just, you know, I could have just done it uh, for, my son and and then just only play it with him which he actually did like we played it for him all the time and he actually did calm down which was really cool um but i thought the irony again of bad naps good sleeps i don't know it's just like hey i'll just release it like if it's just me putting music out then i'll just like put music out and if people want to listen to it they can listen to it if they don't they don't i mean that's kind of like the whole thing anyway but it is a lot different so then i released the second one i decided to um Thought it'd be fun to do it again for my daughter. If more people listen to that, then I'll just keep writing lullabies, I guess. Well, see, that was another release where you had some fun because I couldn't figure out the song titles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found out that all of them actually say the same thing, Sleeping Child. That's yeah. what they all translate to from different languages. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why I wanted to do that, but I thought it would be beautiful to kind of like, if music is this universal language i guess 
especially like I don't sing on any of the songs except the last song. You know, if anybody can listen to it, or I'm sure that there, or I know that there are people that will hum to their babies around the world. You know, it's like they'll sing their own lullabies. I don't know. I liked the idea of it being just a, a universal like experience of calming melody. But yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know why. I thought it would be cool when some of them like looked really pretty, um, like the, the way that um, these other languages say sleeping child or sleep child. I just thought it looked really pretty. And I was like, let's just go for it. <laughs> Something we haven't gotten into, Derek, is that you really do seem to be the master of DIY. You literally do everything. But, you know, I can't imagine that's easy for you. No, it, it's not easy, but it's one of those things where it's like, well, what's the most efficient? And now that I'm a stay-at-home parent, I feel even more guilty that I don't have an income. So, like, everything that I do, I try to just do it myself as efficiently and cost-effective as possible. Even the promo pictures that I sent you were all taken by me. <laughs> so, like, I have to learn how to do a lot of the things um, by myself, but it's like it saves a little bit of the the hassle of like contacting a bunch of different people. It also can just free me up to be like, hey, if I want to like get my like press photo taken, I can just do it, you know, whenever I feel like it instead of like reaching out to people to try and schedule something. Like I have friends that have been involved in some of the projects who've like supplied vocals or like played some instruments and stuff. But the only like one consistent person that supplies any services to the band is my cousin who has mastered the previous and this soon to be released LP uh, Grant Hart. So yeah, everything is as DIY as I can make it. I suppose we're in the aftermath of COVID, but I do want to bring up Bad Nap's pandemic release. Sure. Now, personally, I think you should have actually called it COVID-19 The Musical. Mm. But, you know, I guess it's too late for you to change that now. Yeah. Anyway, when I heard the album, I realized that you're recounting the stages of the pandemic. Were you actually just trying to help yourself through it? Yes. Yeah, that was 100%. So I was a teacher at that time, and my team, that so I was an art teacher, so I was part of either the centers or the specials or what have you with like music, library, computer, BE. And so we had a really tight team. So Bad Naps was supposed to play our first show the weekend, literally before everything shut down. So we played a house show, and like people still came, but I was even nervous to be there because I was just starting to understand what COVID was. Mm -hmm. But prior to that Saturday, like that Friday, the school, I believe the school system said, hey, for the next two weeks, we're going to shut down, see what happens, and, you know, we'll check back in. And so I was joking with all my friends on my team, see you guys in a couple weeks. This isn't a big deal. We'll be back. Sent like a joking picture of like some beer and cereal. Here's my COVID kit to like hunker (laughs) down for two weeks or something. And then it happened and it was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And I didn't see them again for months. Um, You know, we would obviously get on Zoom calls for work and things like that. Or we would like have our group chat going constantly. But it was one of those things where it was like, this is insane. And I remember saying initially at the beginning, it was like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Like just with our time, we're going to be stuck in our houses. What do we do? This was before my son was born. 
And my wife, who is a pharmacist, still had to go to work. She works at a hospital. So it was just me at home. And it was like, what am I going to do? And so I joked with them, hey, I'm just going to write a song every day for those next two weeks. But then it became like an extended months-long uh, closure of everything. So it's like, okay, well, I can't write it every day. But I started using that as like the platform of like, okay, well, let me start writing basically as it's unfolding, like what's happening in the world or like what notable current events are happening. So things like Black Lives Matter was a huge thing, especially being near Richmond. Oh, yeah. All that stuff happening. Yeah. And so, um, and then like when <laughs> former President Donald Trump talked about bleach injections and the tag Heroes Work Here, uh, that song specifically is about a nurse who was working in New York who then came back to her home with her parents in Charlottesville and she committed suicide, like trying to process through that. Like, this is awful. Like what's happening. It's like, now it's not just people being sick. It's, it's affecting the people who are helping the people. One of the songs from that, you already brought it up. Black sheep. That goes way beyond that. You specifically wanted to deal with black lives matter. Yes. It was heartbreaking to be a white man and seeing all of these people murdered for the way that they looked. I remember thinking with Ahmaud Arbery, I go for a run around my neighborhood. And I was just thinking, we shouldn't have to know like every single detail or the full story, but like it was awful. And I was just thinking like, I'm running around my neighborhood. Why am I the one that doesn't have that happen to me? And why did he have that happen to him? So the first verse of that song is me literally thinking about that as I'm going for my run, how awful it is that someone can't do that. It's just me trying to put myself in their shoes and trying to understand why this would even happen. I know what you mean. And how could any of us ever imagine that? And so like to be in the midst of this pandemic where like at first we start off very skeptical of like, is this even real? Can this actually affect me? So we start with that and then move into, oh, wow, actually, and it is affecting people in my immediate area. And then we move into this whole other like super emotional aspect of Black Lives Matter movement at the same time. And it was just a lot happening in that moment um, in like the May, June, July of 2020. That was just a lot of things to process and a lot of things to think about and seeing all these people from all these different places all over the world. It was, it was scary and it was sad. Just a month after pandemic came out, you actually delivered a remix version. You <laughs> yeah. just wanted to give a different view of the album. I just always thought it'd be fun to do a remix album. And so a buddy of mine's buddy apparently does like, and I don't know how to do remixes. I don't know the first thing about it. And I was like, I just think it'd be fun to do a remix of a song. Mm -hmm. My friend was like, I know a guy who will do the whole album. And I was like, for free? And he was like, yeah. I was like, that's <laughs> awesome. So like, all I did was I had to give him all the stems so he could master it. So I just sure. like forwarded him the folder and was like, here are all the stems, have fun with it. And he like got back and was like, some of the stuff is super weird. Hope you don't mind. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I don't care. Like, the fact that I have a remix album is awesome. And it is. It's fun. 
Yeah, some of the ones like <laughs> like the bleach injection one where he just took he's an idiot and like just like chopped and screwed it up and had it repeat for like two minutes straight is awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, some of the other ones are really, I think, really cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll release it. His artist name is Lin Hole, so that's why it's Lin Hole Remixes. Kind of lo-fi stuff, and he did that for me. Okay, we're going to change track totally. Sure. Something I recently brought up with another Catholic artist, but I want to hear about this from you. Okay. Why does there seem to be so few Catholic artists creating faith-based music? So I think I heard you ask this question, and I had been thinking about this. And I was like, why is that? I was really trying to think what would be the reasoning behind it. And to be honest, I have no idea. (laughs) The biggest thing that I could think of, for some reason, I go back to like the 80s and 90s Christian culture, because I guess those are the artists like that would be inspiring what would come out now. And so I think about like, what were non-Catholic Christian churches doing? And if they were doing like, really fun, cool youth groups, or if there were even Christian artists that were just like, like that obviously I'm not as familiar with, but if you think about um, like a DC talk or a newsboys or like a striper or something like that. And it's like, those are artists that maybe, and I've heard it said many times that there are kids who grew up in very conservative households that they were only allowed to listen to Christian music. So then then you have to think like, so I grew up Catholic. My household was not a quote unquote super conservative household. We listened to a ton of music. And so I don't know if that's a thing where it's like these kids felt called to be evangelical, like like the music that they were listening to. Um, like, oh, there's this cool evangelical Christian heavy metal band called Striper. Um, <laughs> that's cool. So you're telling me I can do that. That's awesome. Whereas... I never grew up listening to like Christian music, actually, like ironically, like we weren't an exclusive Christian music household. So I don't know if if there's less of an evangelicalism behind it, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I get you. So it's like, it's almost like, oh, there could be Catholic artists out there. They just don't say that they're Catholic because that's not part of their musical identity. Maybe. I don't know. But it is an interesting thing where I, I was also thinking like, so you have Matt Maher. He's like the big Catholic Christian songwriter, right? Like Exactly. But I was like making jokes with myself. Oh man, it's because all the Catholic musicians just play organ at cathedrals. Like play <laughs> rock and roll music. Like they only their only, you know, path forward is playing the organ or like leading piano at mass. So I, I don't I don't know what it is. Um because I don't know too many Catholics that are into the like kind of small niche window of indie underground tooth and nail kind of music that I like. I don't know why that is. It is interesting though. With the music of Bad Naps, it does seem like faith is a key to your songs. So you're just wanting to reflect your reliance on God in your music? I would think so. I would think that there is definitely like my faith is a big part of my music. If I'm a good Christian, how could it not? Yeah. Like if I'm living my life the way that I should be living it, like how can I cut that part out just to write music? Mm-hmm. And I think that there are a ton of artists that do that, right? I think I might just be a little bit more like not completely faith and worship 
kind of music where that's all it is, but there is still has to be that grounding. If I'm going to write a song about something, I have to write it from where I am. And if I'm here, then that has to be a part of the story. And so that is a huge part. And once I started realizing like, oh, my faith is a serious part of my life, you know, no matter what I really write or sing about, that's just part of of who I am. And and if that's what comes across, that's what comes across. Or like, if I want to tackle big issues like I do on this album, I am a wolf, then like, how can I not talk about like, like I'm talking about like huge, huge, big eternal questions. And it's like, that is the place that I'm coming from. Okay, let's talk about the just released full length, I am a wolf. You make your faith totally clear on the song Conversing the Cross. It finishes with the line, it's time for them to die, your God, your Bible, your commandments, so we can find new life and unite under the banner of progress. Obviously, you're not writing it from your viewpoint, but how many people have you met like that? Yeah, so a decent amount. Yeah, I was an art teacher, so I had to go through art school, um, and I don't know why, like, what turn of the century brought, like, atheism to the art schools, when it used to be a very, like, religious, like, practice. That song was about a specific conversation that I had with a guy who said those exact words at the beginning. There's a God, why should I care? And what's interesting about that conversation that really broke my heart was that he was like, if there is a God and he forces me to worship him, then I don't think I want that. And I was like, okay, there's a lot of things that are incorrect about what you just said, but also it's not a pick your own adventure kind of thing. Cause then that's what caused a lot of anxiety for me was like, if this guy goes on believing this and if what I believe is true, then there is only like this path, you know, there's only these two options. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, this sucks. Like, and I had spent, you know, probably months like on and off kind of trying to like witness to this guy. And that was kind of the end. I mean, we still were friends and like fine after that, but it was kind of like, all right, I have to change my approach or something. I got, I don't know what else to say, but he, but he spoke those words. And then there's very much like, that's the, the notion of like modernism, I guess is just like, hmm. we don't need that. That's old. That's traditional. That's not the way of doing things anymore. We are, we need to march forward and like, we don't need, like you said, like that line is, you know, we don't need the Bible. We don't need commandments. We are what we need and let's march forward. And yeah, it's, it's an intense part there. Is that really the premise of I'm a wolf to reveal your faith? It could be. I mean, I guess it's very explicitly like about that and about me um, I guess most of the releases before were kind of more like, I don't want to say impersonal, but just not as raw, maybe, or not as vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I set out to do that, but it definitely can be in terms of like, if I'm zooming out and looking at the discography, like, for sure, it's like, okay, now he's like staking his claim. But like, but it is with a caveat, right? I'm saying that I am a Christian, but like the caveat is, but I'm, I'm terrified that I'm a wolf between the wolves and the sheep, like I'm terrified that I'm actually just a wolf in sheep's clothing. And of course, that's what the title track is all about. Right. Because it says, you say the sheep recognize your voice, but my God, I don't speak in a language I understand because I want to know, I want to live 
and you promise life and life to the full, but I'm terrified to realize that I am a wolf. So you're meaning that at times you're feeling doubtful of your faith or your worth? Yes, 100%. Absolutely. That's what it is. I mean, I don't think I'm like novel in that area. That's a thing that I struggle with. That's a thing that I'm sure a lot of other Christians struggle with. But just within the past couple of years, I just feel like if Jesus is speaking clearly, I want to be able to hear him, you know? And mm-hmm. like, there are times where it's like, is he speaking to me or is he remaining silent? Is something lost in translation? Like, I, I want to know. I don't know about like doubt my faith, but like, I wrestle with it. I definitely doubt my worth. You know, even like the wolves and the sheep or even the goats and the sheep parable as well. It's like, man, I really, really want to be on the sheep side. Please, like, I, I don't want to be on the other side. But yeah, that's what that's on. It's a lot of doubt and a lot of, of wrestling. Do you realize how often you use sheep in your songs? <laughs> yeah. It's it's the unofficial mascot. I like thought it was funny at first, and then it was like, now I just feel like it is a part of the identity of, of bad naps of what I do through the songs. Yeah, the sheep has, has just cropped up a lot, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> Let me pull in a final song, and it's the shortest, and I guess you'd say it's the most stripped-down track on I Am a Wolf, and that's And Yet. I'm starting to believe in something more than me. Is that really what you're trying to give to your listener? Trying to have them ponder about their soul? Yeah, yeah. So so a big part of the first half of the album is a very dark, questioning, wrestling going down one path of like, okay, none of this is real, but then slowly starting to have either a change of heart or a melting of the heart or a change of the mind. Something is starting to like crack in the hardness of the heart, if you will. So then the last couple songs are really focused on is honestly like the moral argument for God is a huge thing for me that I always come back to. And that's, that's what that song and yet is specifically about is Yet I have this sort of compass inside that points me right from wrong. And mm-hmm. a lot of people want to say an objective right and wrong, right? And we can typically agree on that. Where does that come from? And C.S. Lewis with the mere Christianity and, you know, how can we call a crooked line crooked if we don't know what straight is? That is what that song is about. There's something bigger than me that's telling me that this is true. And if that's the case, then like I need to pursue that more. I'm convinced that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the light, the one who like reveals those those truths that show us right and wrong at the very base, you know, and then move into the rest of, of how we exist. That's what I'm calling for, I guess, is like I'm starting to believe in something more than me. And I wonder how many people would wrestle with or would explore the moral argument and not just like theologians because I listen to a lot of that but like Mm -hmm. just your average person thinking about the moral argument for God it's it's a very powerful one for me and that's kind of what that song is about Derek I gotta thank you for this talk and I hope you have a good run with I am a wolf thank you so much and thank you again this is this has been a really fun opportunity so I appreciate it